podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and Blitz Week is in full throttle. Today, we have the single greatest K-State tight end in the last decade. He was all Big 12. He was a Cleveland Brown for a little bit before it was cool to be a Cleveland Brown. You see him on K-State pregame shows, and now he's a Manhattan business mogul. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who got us a little bit of credibility at the start is Travis Tannehill. Travis, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, doing all right. I need that. Uh, I need that recorded and played for my alarm every morning at, <laughs> at seven in the morning. So that would uh, make me feel pretty good about myself and and get out of bed and start working hard. So that, that was a nice intro. Nicely done. Yeah, no. Any anytime you need me to, I'll, I'll hype you up. Uh, and everything I said is one hundred percent true. And I left out there. You're also a podcaster now as well. Yes, yes, I, I, a podcaster, d- dabbling in that world. Uh, I stick to more of the the business money side of things. Uh, I, I love sports, but I also love you know small business and entrepreneurship and all that. So we bring uh, the Foothills Business Podcast is uh, just, we just talk to local business owners in the Foothills, Manhattan, Wamego area, um, which is which is a blast. So yeah, definitely, we'll put a link to your show in the uh, body of this. So anyone who wants to. Check out Travis on his own show. Just look at the bio of this episode. So, uh, like we talked about, like everyone heard, uh, Ian Campbell was on yesterday. This is a push. We are going to be doing 10 shows in the 10 weekdays leading up to the uh, most improbable football game in my lifetime. Uh, we'll get into all of that. But before we start previewing the season, I just want to remind everyone, go to betonline.ag. They're our exclusive wagering partner and the name sponsor of all Armchair Media Network podcasts. If you want to gamble on sports, and guess what? College football is back. We had the week zero game between Austin P. And Central Arkansas, we got all sorts of, uh, you know, group of five football games this upcoming Saturday. So get over there and gamble. And manscaped.com, 20% off if you use promo code armchair. Travis, you're a good-looking guy, so I'm sure uh, you don't need any help. But if you needed needed to get your wife in the mood, the lawnmower 3.0, perfectly manscaped everywhere on your body below your neck, and you're not going to nick or cut anything on you. So, uh, you know, I, you don't need any help, I'm sure. They also have some ball deodorant to make sure you're smelling good. So <laughs> maybe your wife would appreciate that. Dude, maybe, maybe. <laughs> so, Moving yeah, on. Yes, we will move on. We're, we're going to get right into it. Um, like I said in your intro, you are the best tight end case it's seen, at least in a decade. Earlier when I was writing out your intro, I om- almost said millennium. Uh, but, you know, there, there were some good guys in the early 2000s, so it's it, maybe even the millennium. But last year, last, uh, year, we finally started seeing some more targets going to tight ends. After going seemingly four years without targeting them at all, they had 21 catches, which doesn't seem like a lot. But when you only pass the ball, you know, 200 times 
in a season, 21 catches for the tight end group isn't bad. Uh, how happy were you to see that position reintegrated into the offense? I mean, yeah, it's great to see. I mean, number one, I think two is just, you know, it helps from recruiting. If you're an athletic tight end at the high school level, um, you know, you're not going to come to a – you're probably not going to be too interested in a school that's, you know, only getting the tight end the ball zero to one to maybe two times um, a ball game. Just, you know, we all like blocking, but you're a tight end for a reason. You'd be a off at the tackle or a guard if that's all you were good at. So, um, I think it's obviously helped with recruiting. Uh, picking up Riley Moore, the transfer, that, that was huge for us. Um, but overall, you know, obviously I'm super excited to see the tight end more involved. I think, uh, you know, we see you know, at the local – NFL level, we see how dangerous Travis Kelsey is. We see these teams that have dangerous tight ends, um, and, and we haven't really had any. Even you know, even me, I was you know whatever, slightly above average. Um, but I, I felt like even I was maybe slightly underutilized. Uh, Jaron Mastrude was was utilized pretty well prior to me. Uh, we didn't. We had some weapons on the team, but we had some more weapons when I was playing. So um, really, it, it's been quite a, quite a long time since the tight end was really. Um, you know, a focal point of that offense. They've always kind of been a second thought, uh, an afterthought. And I really think this uh, this new coaching staff, I mean, the way their offense works, you need uh, at least one good tight end, and, and two's preferable in a lot of their sets. Yeah, I mean, they're playing multiple tight ends. Uh, Nick Lenners, granted, they, they have him as a fullback on the roster so he can win postseason awards and preseason awards <laughs> and all that type of stuff. But, I mean, he, he's a good tight end, too. Um, but – all the hype at that position is surrounding Briley Moore, you know, childhood friends with Skylar Thompson. He was, you know, all conference up at the FCS level, NFL draft pick prospect. What, what is he going to be able to bring to this offense and any new dynamics seeing that he has that big time playmaking ability from the tight end spot? Yeah. I mean, you look at, you just look at his build. I mean, I mean, he's your, from a physical standpoint, he's your perfect tight end. He's six four, two hundred fifty 250 pounds and has a pretty, uh, pretty quick twitch and, and some athleticism to him. So uh, what, what I'm mainly curious to see and excited to see is, you know, can he make that, that jump? Can he make that jump to the, to the power five level? Um, obviously I, I think he even led, he led the team in receptions last year um, and, or, or when he was at Northern Iowa and then he's, can he make that jump? It is a big jump. You know, the, the linebackers are a little faster. They're a little stronger. Uh, they're able to stay with you a little better. Uh, the safeties are a little bigger. They hit a little harder. So can he make that jump to the next, to the power five level? I think he will. He, he looks the part. Uh, if he's able to dominate at, at, at the Northern Iowa level, uh, he'll for sure be able to contribute and be an asset to this team. Yeah, and I, I didn't have this in the outline, so sorry for throwing you a curveball. But when you have that guy who is so dynamic at the tight end one spot, that's at least in my dumb, stupid, never played football at the college level brain, I would think that's also going to open up opportunities for Nick Lenners and uh, Sammy Wheeler at that tight end two spot when they're going two tight end sets. How's that going to work for those uh, two guys while they're on the field at the same time as Bradley Moore? I mean, yeah, just like you said, I mean, it definitely opens things up. It opens things up for, you know, running backs, fullbacks, wide receivers, everyone. When you have, um, when you have threats, I mean, obviously they have to cover the wide receivers. Those guys are used to running routes and, um, and, and getting open and, and making plays. But, I mean, you watch – if you watch football close enough and really break down the film, I mean, there's a lot of times tight ends and running backs don't get covered. Um, you know, you know, defensive back, you know, defensive linebackers and, um, you know, DNs dropping off. I mean, they miss assignments. And, and if that quarterback's not looking for him or keying in on him, I mean, there are multiple times at the college level where, uh, you know, 
there's guys running wide open. So when you got guys, athletic guys and, uh, and good tight ends, like, you know, like Leonard's Wheeler and more, I mean, it, it, you, you have to respect them and you don't forget about the good ones. You know, you don't forget about the, uh, you know, the Lockets and the Harpers and, and the Mastrudes, but you know, you might forget about, you know, a, a, whatever, a guy who's maybe not quite as dangerous. So, uh, but if you have those, those players, you know, that means those, those linebackers are keying in on them. You know, they're part of the game plan and, and that just creates openings for everyone else. So whether that's the running back position, wide receiver position, um, having those tight ends that, that linebackers have to respect, safeties have to respect, it really just opens up for everything. Definitely. So the biggest question mark, at least in my head, going into this 2020 season is Connor Riley's having to reshuffle almost the entire offensive line. Revis is coming back and, you know, pro football focus rates him just as high as, you know, any interior offensive lineman all of, all of college football. But you're going to have to plug in four dudes with next to no experience. Uh, what are you going to be keying in on that unit to judge the coaching job Connor Riley does this season? I mean, th this is my – and I'm not just – I'm not the only one who has this feeling. But – and this is, this is the, easy, the easy feeling. But, I mean, the offensive line worries me. I mean, they scare me. Um, it's such a critical, important part of uh, the offense that, you know, you only recognize them when, when they do bad. When they do good, no one really, no one really cares. But when they do bad, everyone's really mad. <laughs> um, and, and it's unfortunate, you know, we got a guy like Skyler who's ready to run this offense. But if he can't get the time or if the offensive line can't do the schemes that the coaches are asking, uh, you know, it, it could be some, some struggles, you know, just, just to move the ball efficiently. So um, overall, though, I mean, you know, I think Coach Riley's a really, really good offensive line coach. I think this will be a huge test for him. Um, from what I can tell so far, I think, you know, he's got the – uh, he's got the schemes. He's got the, you know, the players seem to like him. So uh, I, I think, you know, Revis has to step up. I mean, he's been a guy that's been in the program. He's been playing for a few years now. Uh, he's a guy I followed all the way. I think his sophomore year of high school is when he kind of showed up on my radar. Uh, I was able to watch him play a few times at Hutch. Um, and and, and he'll, he'll admit he wasn't quite ready when he was younger. And, and he's really developed as a player. But he's really going to have to be the anchor to that. And really just, I mean, physically that's one thing. But you know, when you're an offensive lineman, I mean, it's some of this, you, if you don't know the plays, then, and then you're getting your butt kicked. And that's when the, that's when the fall starts, starts happening. That's when the, uh, the stupid stuff that just kills drives. That's when the holdings happen. That's when all these uh, silly boneheaded penalties that, that K-State's known for not having. Um, that's when those things kind of, kind of show up. So I'm, I'm looking to Revis to be a leader of that, that unit. Um, he's going to have to, and believe it or not, I mean, I remember my freshman year when I got thrown into the fire. I mean, I was asking my, my tackles a lot who the heck I was supposed to block, like, during games. So, um, it, it does happen. And, and so, he's going to be, you know, those – whether your most experienced linemen, you know, getting up to the line and, and pointing out, you know, hey, this is the linebacker we're keying things off of. So, there's a lot of communication up front to help those guys. Um, and, and it's going to be needed. And I think Revis obviously has to be the, the, the obvious choice to step up there and really lead that offensive, offensive line unit. Yeah, and I think at least in all this, the recent press availability for the coaches, the quote that stuck out to me over anything Kleiman said or any of the assistants, Connor Riley said that he needs Josh Revis not to be good but to be great. So I think if you do get that, I think it can maybe, I mean, maybe even surprise folks and be just as good as, if not maybe better than last year. Yeah, and, and two, I mean, not only that, but, 
you know, we go back to the tight end position and the fullback position. I mean, that's all part of that blocking scheme. So they should be able to that, – that's what we're – you know, you get a young left guard or a young right tackle. I mean, you, you, can, you can help them out. But you can get four out of five that are young <laughs> and just figuring it's like you can only help so many guys. And, and so there's going to be – there's going to have to be some young guys who have one-on-ones with some really good defensive tackles and some really good defensive ends, and they're going to have to win. And, and that's just going to be part of growing up. And we'll see some – unfortunately, we don't have a non-conference schedule. Um, a three-game non-conference schedule like, like they usually do. So uh, they're going to have to grow up quick, grow up in a hurry. Um, and, and having a good quarterback will help, though. I mean, whenever that quarterback's calling out the defense a lot of times, um, kind of sliding the protection left or right, changing the protection for what it needs to be. So having Skyler, who's back there, being a good signal caller, uh, that'll definitely help things out just so there's no uncertainty. You know, those guys should at least know what they're doing pre-snap, whether they can execute it correctly and, and whether – uh, you know, they, they can win their one-on-one. You know, that's a whole other story. But from a, from a mental side, with Revis up there, with some good tight ends and fullbacks around him and a good signal caller and Skyler, um, there's no reason those guys shouldn't be not having any mental errors. Yeah, and uh, that leads us into talking about Skyler. Uh, on this podcast, Grant and I are big Skyler Thompson fans. He's a pro football focus, the number 25 quarterback coming into this year. The coaches and players seem to love him. But there is a small segment of the fan base that seemed to be ready to move on from him. What is it about Skylar Thompson, his career at K-State, that has kind of made him into an inkblot test for different K-State fans where two people can look at the same thing and come up with different answers to who he is? Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly where that necessarily comes from. I know, um, you know, there were some questions earlier on in his career. There were some, there were some battles that uh, – Certain coaches were on one side and other coaches were on the other side. There was just some drama there, uh, which always leaves, you know, if, if your coach comes out and says, hey, this is our guy, and, and, you know, and the head coach and the offensive coordinator and the QB coach and the team's all like, hey, this is – whether he's, you know, an A-plus quarterback or a B-plus quarterback, if everyone's kind of consistently like, hey, this is the best we got, um, then that doesn't leave too much room for uh, debate in, in, within the fan base. So uh, I think maybe some of that from earlier on in his career has, has lingered. Um, but no, I don't think there's any doubt that he's by far the best quarterback on this team right now. And, uh, and, and really I think, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in this conference, honestly, uh, I think he does get a little, uh, disrespect. I mean, he's not super flashy. Um, but, and, you know, I don't think he has the tools around him that maybe some of these other quarterbacks have and a lot of these other quarterbacks throw it out to the flat and their guys run for 80 yards. Um, and, and their stats look great. So I think Skyler's underrated. I think he does an exceptional job. He's, you know, kind of, good enough with his legs and good enough with his arms and he's a signal caller. He's not going to turn the ball over, um, which, which is what, you know, that's what this team needs. Yeah. And, and you mentioned it, you, you have them as one of the better ones in the big 12. This, this was a big debate on different message boards and on Twitter throughout the off season, because you know, what else are folks going to do as they're inside their house for, you know, four months. <laughs> but I, I have them like, I agree with you upper half of the big 12, anywhere yeah. between, three or four, depending on the day of the week, where would you put him when you are comparing him to the different quarterbacks in this conference? Oh, I mean, you look at, I mean, I, I think te- Texas, you know, te- Texas has Sam Ellinger. He, he's pretty darn good. Brock Purdy's pretty darn good. No, uh, get out of here with that. I mean, no, no. I, mean a, <laughs> I see, I see a lot of good skill sets come out he's of Brock good. Purdy. So, he's good. You know, Winner, loser, you know, the team aspect, I'm not, you know, he, they lose some games they shouldn't lose. 
and that's on the quarterback a lot of times. So, um, but just from a physical standpoint, Brock Purdy throws a, a really pretty ball. Um, and then, you know, Spencer Rattler at OU, I think it'll be curious to see, you know, not much proven, but obviously whenever you generate Heisman Trophy candidates, finalists, winners, um, like OU does, uh, they, you know, I think obviously he's pretty good if he's filling those shoes. So, but after that, I mean, I'd, I'd slide him in there, you know, somewhere around the, the Sanders at OSU and Brewer at Baylor, um, somewhere around that, you know, four, five, six range uh, in the conference. And, and really, you know, I think once you get it, once you get it over, uh, you know, maybe Ellinger and Purdy, it, it's pretty an open race after that. So. Yep. No, I agree with you. And we'll, we'll flip to the other side of the ball because something I was very happy with was the evolution of the defense last year. Um, they, they exceeded a lot of my expectations. What is one thing you'll be keying on on the defensive side of the ball in hopes of them taking that next step as being one of the premier defenses in the conference? I mean, I think it's always going to be – I mean, just the way this league is. I mean, I think you just have to look at the defensive backs. I mean, that's – it's defensive backs have one of the hardest jobs on the football field. Um, and if you have bad defensive backs in this league, you get exposed very, very quickly. Um, I feel very, very good about our defensive front. Uh, I feel solid about our linebacking core. So, and, I, and I'm excited about our defensive back. It's not like it's a huge question mark or a huge hole. I just know it's a very, very difficult task. Um, and, and we have very, very good wide receivers and quarterbacks in this conference who like to throw the ball all over the place. So, um, you know, I, I think it's that defensive back core, you know, with A.J. Parker and Neal, um, McPherson, Wayne Jones, those guys that should um, bring a little bit of experience back, uh, should grow on what they did prior. And then, obviously, with Scotty leaving, I mean, that's going to be a huge question mark as well. Um, just kind of how that defense looks. Is it more aggressive, less aggressive? Um, time will tell on that, on, that, um, on that front. But overall, I think those DBs, you know, if DBs play well, you got a chance, uh, you got a chance to hold an offense to, to low, you know, 20, 25, 30 points, and then your offense should have a chance to put that up. Definitely. Um, and then the final thing before we get into the uh... – you know, questions and predictions that we're going to ask all Blitz Week, uh, you know, interviewees throughout throughout this uh, season is Wyatt Hubert, I think, has first-team all-conference and maybe even borderline all-American type talent. And there's been all this hype around Khalid Duke all camp. How disruptive could Wyatt be if Khalid Duke really does live up to that hype and they can't double-team both those guys? I mean, yeah, that's the that's the tall tale sign of you know a good defensive front is you know if you got one good defensive end, it's relatively easy to keep him contained. I mean, we went against some really really good DNs uh, in my playing days, and you know you put a tight end over there, or you keep a fullback in, and even if you just chip him on the way out, you know you can still get that fullback or that running back or that tight end out into the route sequence. You just give them a little chip on the way out, and you know they never get the quarterback. It's really not that hard to. Um, protect one side of the defensive end. But when you get both sides, well, you can only send that back or send that tight end to, to you know, one different way. So that, that's when things really get uh, challenging from an offensive offensive scheme standpoint is how can we protect um, both sides of the line, both defensive ends, and then how can we still get our guys out in routes because we need them out in routes to, you know, make sure, uh, you know, we're trying to occupy those defenders so people can get open. So, um, but no, I, I think it's it, – it's – Lining up to be, I mean, we'll see We'll see how Duke, it sounds like he's progressed a lot. Um, I'm excited to watch him play. But whenever you can have two, def- two defensive ends who are um, above average pass rushers, solid in the, in the running game, uh, it can make for some exciting football, especially, I mean, 
shoot, Wyatt Hubert, I mean, he's he's underrated. He, he's he's hyped up, and he's still underrated. He is so good when you watch him, and he's just that. He's got the strength. He's got the speed. He's just got everything. I mean, I would hate to block him just because he <laughs> doesn't really have any weakness in this game. Um, so he's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited to watch, you know, Khalid Duke, you know, grow up and really, you know, mature mature uh, in front of us and become a become a special player. And and I'm with you. I mean, I think Wyatt Hubert has all conference, you know, as long as he stays healthy and, and keeps working hard and performs well. I think that's a, that's a pretty pretty easy award to, to put on the shelf already. Um, and and I, I don't know where he – in the preseason All-American lineup he is, um, but, but I'd have a hard time, you know, finding very much of an – better all-around defensive end. I'm sure there's some guys that are better at getting after the quarterback than he is. Um, but overall, uh, stout in the run game, stout in the pass game. Um, there's not too many guys that I can see who'd be, who would be better than him. Definitely. And before we get into the uh, final set of predictions and questions that all our guests will get, one final shout-out to betonline.ag. Head over there and watch their new web series with Floyd Money Mayweather where you get to bet and see how much his bling costs. If you get it correctly, you might win some jewelry or some cash prizes. And guess what? Before you know it, the Chiefs are going to be back as well. Get your futures bets on Patrick Mahomes to repeat as Super Bowl champion. We can all have – well, no, there's not going to be a parade in February again. COVID and all that jazz, but we can all, we can all have fun watching them on TV again. And then, like I said at the top, manscaped.com, promo code armchair. They also have the best boxer briefs and shower gel I've ever used. So get over there for 20% off and free shipping using promo code armchair today. So we're going to get into it. Uh, and don't worry, the boneheads are 100% going to hold you to all these predictions and answers. So, uh, you know, just lay it out there, and if you're wrong, they're going to ridicule you. But before we get into any real predictions, I wanted to ask everyone in this Blitzweek series, uh, what sort of a grade or how do you think K-State and Gene Taylor and Coach Kleiman handled everything over the last, you know, six months? It's been so wild between COVID, between civil unrest amongst the nation, um, just two things that, you know, they probably didn't think they would ever have to deal with to this extent. Um, how do you think they handled all this? I mean, I hate to just give them the, the blanket A+, plus, but it, it, it was pretty darn good in my opinion. I mean, they did about as good a job as you can. I mean, I don't think they really made any rash decisions that they regretted. I think they were smart and kind of letting things play out. I'm glad we, you know, as a conference, we didn't get caught up in the, um, you know, kind of what happened at the Big Ten or the Pac-12 some of those things. So, I mean, there was a, there was a, mo there was a time where, you know, I, I was talking to some guys and, you know, I, I know the season was over. I mean, it, you know, agents were tell selling people that the season's over and, and they're saying, Hey, you know, the big 10 and the Pac-12 don't want to have it. And, and everyone's kind of falling in line. And I was like, what the heck? And, you know, those reports were coming out. It wasn't like it was some big secret. Um, and thankfully they were able to salvage things and, and, and keep it going. So it's, um, it's been a wild off season. That's for dang sure. Um, I hope we never have. To, I hope things are back to normal by next spring. And I'm just glad we're playing football. I mean, I guess I, I can't give it an A plus because we're not playing a full season. So if if we had an extra two two non conference games on there, they'd get that A plus. But no, overall, you know, A minus A. They've done an exceptional job. Uh, there's no amount of training or textbook. I mean, only you know life experience and and uh, and wisdom. And just, you know, dealing with tough situations in the past can prepare you for this. This has got to be 
um, one of the probably the toughest you know six months of their life from a from a you know just decision making uh, standpoint. So they, they've done a great job. I, I've been very happy uh, with Gene and Coach Taylor. And at the end of the day, you know, and, and two, they've done a good job up to this point. But like they got to keep this thing going. Like that's the other thing too is like. Half the team gets sick in two weeks, then, then you know, we'll see how they do then. So, and they've done a pretty nice job so far. And I know that training staff is uh, working really, really hard to keep everyone healthy. So, it's uh, hopefully we can get all these games in. And uh, this is the most, the, the, the worst drama is behind us. That would be my, my biggest wish so far. Yep. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. You mentioned it in one of your answers earlier, but Scotty Hazleton, he's not coaching up at Michigan State, but he, he's, collecting, uh, he's collecting a nice paycheck. He'll have to wait till January to start uh, coaching games again. But Joe Klanderman got promoted. Steve Standard is the linebackers coach. So what, if any, changes are you expecting on that side of the ball? Oh, I mean, without knowing um, – I mean, personally, I, I don't know Coach Klanderman very well, so I don't know um, – I, I, know, I know basically what everyone else knows. So um, I, I don't think – I think, you know, I think Scotty had a pretty good – system I know those coaches kind of all are cut from the same cloth and they come from the same tree so I'm honestly I'm expecting kind of um you know same as last year so which I think will be a good thing so we'll see if you know I'm sure there'll be a couple little wrinkles and a couple little tweaks but you know if he can just continue on that base that that uh that Scotty did and and I think that's that's smart too you know what coach uh what coach Kleiman did with bringing you know hiring from within uh to that defensive coordinator spot just because there's been a lot of change for these guys a lot of um a lot of change on the defensive side. So anytime you can, if you feel confident enough to hire within and not bring in a whole other defensive um, scheme, defensive play calling, defensive verbiage, um, I think that's always great. So um, I'm excited to watch, watch them, you know, excited to see Coach Klanerman get a shot. And uh, so we'll see. But I don't think it'll be – hopefully it's uh, similar to last year because it was it, it was much improved last year than uh, than in the past. Yeah, I mean, this is third defensive coordinator in three years. And uh... – Old Blake Siler over at ODU, he's not getting to play football either. So I know. Maybe, maybe these guys should stop leaving K-State and they'd get to coach some football games in the fall. Dude, come so. out here to the, heart, to the heartland <laughs> and, you know, there's nothing going to stop us from playing football. <laughs> exactly. Um, year one was a little bit up and down in the experiment for Courtney Messingham's offense. Do you think they find their groove and stride this year or will be changing out five of the top six offensive linemen being too big of a task to really see any, you know, consistent positive upgrades on the offense this year? I mean, I think you nailed it. I mean, it, it's going to be tough. And I think, you know, there's going to be some ugly series early on, um, hopefully by, you know, mid-October, November, um, you know, that offensive line's grooving and, um, and rocking and rolling. So, I mean, it, it all, it all, in my opinion, it all rely, revolves around that offensive line. So if that offensive line can figure it out, if Coach Riley can get them going, um, I think this offense has a chance to be pretty special. If they struggle, um, this offense might struggle, which means this team might struggle. So uh, it, it's it's a pivotal point and a pivotal position group. And if they are not able to get it figured out, then uh, unfortunately I think this team will struggle and we're going to have to rely on that defense even more, um, which is super hard in this conference. So. Um, obviously, you know, I'm sure that staff and those, that, those offensive line linemen are doing everything they can to prepare. Um, but, you know, I think we've seen quite a few uh, uh, quote, quotes from Coach Riley. And, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm excited to see how these guys react when the bullets start flying, I think is um, how he likes to phrase it. So uh, we'll, we'll see how – which is totally different. I mean, it, it is you – can, you can be a, um, a whiteboard warrior. You can, you can know every play, but when someone – you know, 
280 pound deep at the tackle fires off the ball and, and smokes you in the chin. Um, you see what you're really made for. So hopefully that offensive line steps up. If they do, uh, I think they're poised to, to be a pretty good offense. All right, prediction time. Who do you have as your offensive MVP for this season, and why are you going with that young gentleman? Boring answer, Skyler. Um, <laughs> I, I have a feeling most most people are going know, to go. With I know it's. I, I wish. I mean, but no. I mean, I, I think he's going to be the MVP. I think he's going to lead this team. Um, you know, to have a pretty solid offensive season. So um, I think he'll, he'll do a good enough job to get that offensive those offensive linemen where they need to be. Uh, he's got the weapons around him to to distribute the ball. He's you know does a really good job of protecting the football, which is which is important for this style of uh, style of team. So I think you got to go, Skyler. All right, defensive side of the ball. This one might be a little bit more fun throughout the next two weeks. So mine's kind of boring again. Wyatt Hubert again. Um, I, I'm gonna. I think you're probably. I, I would imagine over half your guests will will go with him. I was trying to I was trying to bait you into going out on a little bit more of a going limb. out on a limb. Well, I mean, like, like surprise player. We'll we'll, we'll hit that in a second. But yeah, um, yeah, just strict MVP. I mean, <laughs> but both those guys stay healthy, and either one of them don't get the MVP, I'll be super shocked. So, um, you know, we just talked about Wyatt Hubert having a, having the chance to, um, you know, be an All American. I mean, you know, at K State, we don't have All American every single year. Um, so, so when when we do have one or two, I mean that that's a special year, and uh, that, that person's probably going to be the best player on that side of the ball, if not the best player on the team. Definitely. So you reference it. The next one I'm looking for is young breakout player. I'm looking for sophomore, younger, and a guy who has yet to really have a big role on the team. Yeah, we talked about him earlier. I think you know, um, I think Khalid Duke's going to be that guy. I think him alongside uh, across the ball from or across the. Across the line from Wyatt Hubert, I think he's going to have um, a breakout year. I mean, I could see him having, you know, a half dozen sacks, uh, you know, having a really nice, uh, just a complimentary role to Wyatt. Because uh, Wyatt is going to draw that attention, so he should have some one-on-one opportunities, uh, a chance to get after the quarterback in a pass-happy league. Definitely. So, the next one, we're going we're gonna to operate under the assumption that all 10 games are played. What is your record prediction for this 10-game season? I am going seven wins. So seven wins. I, uh, sign me up. I'll take yep. that right now. I, I would. I would take that as well with a with a fresh offensive line. Um, you know, still a young coaching staff, and still uh, or not young coaching staff, but still a newer coaching staff. Guys are figuring them out. Um, so yeah, I'll take seven wins all day long. Especially you know, seven out of ten, seventy percent. Seven out of twelve is less than that so yes um if we were playing a full season so don't don't count for math there but uh yeah seven wins we're uh i'd be plenty happy with that so all right the next one last year oklahoma was a big statement win you could probably even say iowa state was as well are you going to predict any big statement wins this year i would predict against texas so we'll see we'll see where they where they're ranked towards the end of the season because they're always ranked higher at the beginning of the season than the end of the season um, I don't I can't even, I don't know exactly what our record is over the last five years, but I know it's not been great. You, you know, we used to kind of have a thing for Texas and now we've kind of, we're on the tail end of that. Um, we, we haven't fared well against them as of, you know, the last five, seven years. So, um, end of the season, last home game of the year, uh, Texas sometimes has thrown in the towel at that point. Um, those guys are looking to looking towards the NFL if, if they're not going to, you know, go for the national championship then they kind of toss in the towel so um i'm looking at that uh, that k-state texas game on december 5th i think k-state's gonna have a 
a good opportunity to to knock off the big dog there, um, which 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 is always fun. It's always good to beat Texas. Oh yeah, no, it, it's a lot of fun, and yeah, it, it hasn't. It's not the we own Texas era anymore. So nope. I'd like to get back to that. The final question, and uh, it's a, it's a weird one to ask, but you know, it's a ten game schedule. How many games are we going to get in? I think ten. I mean, I think at this point we're you know we're pretty not we, but you know the athletic department is is pretty. Um, pretty committed so obviously you know the way the world is all of college sports rely on college football so um, if we want those other sports they got to figure out a way to, to get college football in um, I think you know the 25% capacity will uh, work pretty well I'm bummed there's no tailgating that's like my favorite part of football um, so we'll see I'll be at the home opener I mean I'm, I'm working it for, for K-State sports so um, I'll be at the home opener I think we have to like do the do the broadcast with masks on so Oh, like, well, we'll see. I'm not 100. percent Smaller's Smaller's trying to fight for us because that's going to be awkward at best. Um, so I'll be at that first game. It'll be weird, interesting. You know, like not very loud atmosphere. So it, it's going to be a it's going to be like a baseball game on a Tuesday, just like 20, you know, fourth of the way full. But I think we'll get all 10 games in. I think this thing uh, will stay under control. We're doing everything right. Um, you know, to the best of, to the best we can. So unless we just have a raging uh, outbreak throughout all of campus, I think that would be maybe the one thing um, that, that that would that would uh, hurt things. But overall, I think we'll get ten games in because we have to. <laughs> I like it. So that, that's all we got. As always, uh, we, we kind of give the guests the final final platform. Let anyone uh, know where to find you on social media. Plug your podcast and. Uh, uh, before we, before I let you do that, I, I believe the pregame show will be on ESPN Plus all season for home games. Uh, sure. Yeah, maybe. I think so. yeah. <laughs> or, or, or maybe like live stream on Facebook. One of those two. We'll, we'll figure yeah, that no, out. No. And we'll... I'm just the talent, so I just, I just show up. <laughs> Small, smaller handles all the, all the logistics. So he, he's the real hero in that show. Me, me, and Ian and Reggie, we just show up and talk football for 30 minutes. So our job's Thanks. easy. Smaller's the hero anywhere he goes. Uh, I'm a big Brian fan. So, but tell the Bonehead, saw any K-State fan listening, anything you want to. Oh, I mean, reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm pretty active on all those things. So, um, love talking to K-Staters. Love, uh, you know, usually I'm like cheer loud. It makes a difference, but it's really not going to make a difference this year because there's going to be no home field advantage because of the because of the sound. So, uh, or the lack thereof, crowd noise. Um, but, yeah, just look me up on, on Facebook or Twitter. I think I'm Travis Tannehill 80 on Twitter and Travis Tannehill 80 on Instagram. Um, so, yeah, just look me up and uh, love, to, love to visit with some K-Staters. Definitely. We will have your Instagram and Twitter tagged on our account so folks can find you. Travis, thanks again for coming on. Boneheads, we love you. Keep riding. Uh, the off season's over. Share this Later. podcast. Send it to everyone. It's time to start getting hyped. So, uh Yeah, just stay tuned. We got another one coming for you tomorrow. I've had a large mouth pass, bust my line, a couple beautiful girls tell me goodbye. Trucks break down, dogs run off, politicians lie, been fired by the boss. It takes one hand to count the things I can count on. No, there ain't much man that ain't ever letting me down. Tarn this boy apart
jean, baby, fire in her eyes that drove me crazy. It was red tail lights when she left town. If I didn't know then, I sure know now. But long neck eyes complete never broke my heart. Like a diamond rings at football teams have torn this boy apart. Like a neon dream, it just don't know me. The bars in this guitar. And long neck eyes, cold beard, never broke my heart. It takes one hand to count the things I can count on, but I got one hand to scribble. Cause long neck eyes Cold beer never broke my heart Like diamond rings at football teams Have torn this boy apart Like a neon dream It just don't know me The bars in this guitar And Podcast Network.